0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Protagonal alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting. We've got a special guest, I think reoccurring guest. This might be appearance number three or number four, but Director of Recruiting Steve Wilfong. In with us today, and this is the guy to talk to if you've been following recruiting. It's this time of the year; it starts to heat up a little bit. As our friend Josh Pate always like likes to say, "No offseason whatsoever." The boys, all three of us, were out in Southern California this past week for the Elite Eleven Finals, OT seven, and a good blend of everything. You get the evaluation along with the scoop, and that's why we bring Steve wilfong in. Steve, you're back in the Burbs of Indianapolis, my friend. How you doing this morning, Steve? doing well
0: man five more days till the dead period so counting it down then it really becomes commit season i know we're seeing some guys fly off the board now and some schools are hot on the trail Um, but it'll be nice to not have to cover hundreds of visits over the weekends here for a while
1: i can tell i mean that that dead period i feel like you have to have it on like a, a, a clock down count in your house. Right. I mean, it's, it's getting to that point where it's just like, okay, guys are flying off the board. You talk about some programs kind of getting hot. I want to start with the program. Who's the hottest right now? We call him Maybach Billy. He goes by Sunbelt Billy, three-star Billy. I don't think you can call him that anymore. (laughs) Blue chip Billy, right? There you go. Florida up to number three in the 24 seven sports composite team rankings. And it's a lot of different ways you can start here, but Steve last night, five-star Jamonte Waller from the state of Mississippi, He jumps in the board that helps kind of cement Florida's status right now within the top three, but a huge pickup for Florida. A couple other names as well Aaron Childs, Amir Jackson, a couple other offensive linemen. But what can you tell us about the success that Florida has had over the past week?
0: Well, I think the most exciting thing about what Florida's been able to do um, over the last week is just who they've beaten on the trail. You know, they are winning heavyweight battles, they are beating contenders for blue chip recruits or just, you know, even the, the Barrow kid, that's a kid that Georgia fought all the way to the last minute for, and, and, and he picked, picked Florida. And so we weren't seeing this many recruiting wins under the previous regime over teams that you're trying to beat on Saturdays. And yes, sure. You can have your evaluation recruiting wins each cycle, at a place like Florida, but you are not going to recruit 18 to 20 evaluation wins unless you just catch amazing fire in a bottle somehow and win the SEC. I mean, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, some of those other coaches, they're good evaluators too. So you have to beat them on the recruiting trail, in my opinion, to consistently beat them on the field year in and year out. And so I think that if you look at – When Coach Napier got to Florida at the end of that 2022 cycle, look at their 2023 class and what they're doing in 2024. It's an outstanding foundation for a program that's on the rise. They have their exciting quarterback recruit, DJ Lagway. I think they've recruited the defensive front very well over the last two cycles combined. I think that their receiver class last year is an exciting one that's going to make them dynamic, uh uh for an offense that's that's kind of lacked that i think the one thing you're wondering what are they going to do on the offensive line moving forward who are they going to get how are they going to develop that position but they're certainly invested they have two offensive line coaches um so i i just like where florida's at right now i i don't think that uh i think that if people are patient with with florida and what they're doing on the trail they have a chance to come out the other side and, and be one of the best programs in college football. And that Aaron Childs recruiting win is the one that really stands out to me. I think that um, a lot of the other guys, Florida was a front runner for for much of their process. Um, and uh, they got it done with a big official visit weekend. But Aaron Childs was considered a Michigan lean for much of his process. I thought that Michigan was in fantastic position over the last few weeks. It picked up with Florida. And I talked to Aaron Child's dad. So you know the the, the guys that committed to, to to Florida over the weekend, you know they they are announcing at the dinner that they had. They're, they're announcing their commitments in front of everybody, right? So you have um, you, you had Amaris Williams announce his commitment in front of everybody. You have Nasir Johnson uh, announce his commitment every in front of everyone at dinner. And and then Aaron Child's dad and his wife are just sitting there eating their dinner, and next thing they know, their son's up there with the mic announcing his commitment to everybody in the room. They didn't know he was gonna do that either. And uh, I think he just found the, he said being at Florida is like being on vacation every day, Uh, but they love the staff. Coach Jay Bateman's now our number two national recruiter of the year. He was, or he's number two in our recruiter of the year standings right now. He was the lead recruiter on all three defensive guys that committed this weekend. Uh, So Florida, uh, obviously a fantastic weekend. Uh, up to number three in our recruiting rankings at 24-7 sports. And uh, Blue Chip, Billy Napier, and the boys are rolling right now.
1: Hey, Drew, you got to think. I mean, like you and I were kind of talking about it yesterday, but, you know, this morning was kind of like, in, in yesterday as well, first time we've kind of, all three of us collectively, Steve, I don't know about you, but been able to kind of catch our breath a little bit. And you kind of look at what Florida has done, At at the point of attack and really with their front seven, I mean, it is really impressive in terms of what they're doing, in terms of adding a lot of talent and athleticism. Darius Hayes, Miles Graham at the second level. We talked a little bit about Jamonte Waller. Aaron Childs is a guy that's got on and off ball ability. But the guy that we haven't really talked about, I love Amaris Williams, top 100 player for us out of the state of North Carolina. We talk so much about Georgia and the job that they do year in and year out when it comes to the front seven and the type of talent that they have added over the last couple of years under Kirby smart. I mean, to, to me, that has been the biggest sticking point of what we've seen so far from Florida this cycle.
2: Well, I I'm confused on the question. What was the question?
1: Well, I guess <laughs> I was just setting you up. I love what they've done, you know, In terms well, I, of the, I at the seven point of the minutes
2: attack. in seven minutes in, then I was got a chance to talk a little Gators. No, I think it's impressive. You know, I was at Florida last summer, and one of the staffers said that they had to get better up front in the in the box at the at the point of attack on on both sides of the ball. I think they tried, you know, to do just that in the twenty three cycle. They got some some blue chip defensive linemen like Kelby Collins and, and Cameron James. But what they've done the past four days here, uh, when it comes to the defensive lineman, the pass rush. I mean this this is setting up to be one of the nation's top. Uh, halls of, of first and second level defenders. You mentioned Jamonte Waller. I think Amaris uh, Williams is someone we've been super high on. Former running back, you know, finished second at states in the shot put there in North Carolina. Uh, uber productive as he's kind of built himself as more of a defensive lineman. I think he's someone that can bring some juice up the middle. Nasir Johnson out of Dublin, Georgia. Uh, that's a guy that had been in Athens a, a few different times. A ton of SEC schools were involved. I mean, he is over six foot five, over three hundred pounds. There's video of him out there running and doing a a back handspring. So I, I like him. And then Aaron Childs. You want to talk about players that are probably ready to go right away? I, I think Aaron Childs certainly fits that bill. Saw him at the Under Armour All American Camp up in, in Baltimore. He excels at flowing downhill. I think he's an inside backer in that three-four look. He provides some pass rush uh, capability, but he's also, I, you know, when I, when I saw him in shirts and shorts, I thought he did a good job in coverage. And you, you pair him with a Darius Hayes, with Mylon Graham and, 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 and Childs, like I I don't know if we're going to see a better three-man linebacker hall here in the 2024 cycle.
1: Steve, is there a guy for Florida coming out of this visit? Maybe didn't even have to be on campus in the month of June, but is there a guy that you feel like Florida is making a priority right now on the recruiting trail that they just – they would love to have in their class?
0: Yeah, I think LJ McCray is kind of that next guy, right, where Florida Florida's building some really good depth at the point of attack. Um, and guy, they can – than what they're hoping to be is a, a a unit that can rotate and be fresh on the field and, and and be menacing. And LJ McCray is that next blue chip elite defensive lineman that's on the board. He was just at Georgia this past weekend. I think Georgia's is a major contender, but did a feature on him while we were out together in LA and uh, LJ McCray, he was, he camped at Florida in like the sixth grade. Looked at his dad and said, "I can do this." His dad was a top high school coach in Florida. Then coached at his alma mater, Bethune Cookman, for a long time. Um, so he's a coach's kid. He's wired right. Um, Florida's way in that. He's visited Gainesville several times. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, there's some other contenders. Florida State's got a visit coming up. Auburn, Miami, uh, but I, I, you know, Florida Georgia. and Georgia. Are, are two schools that I think are in really good position there. And if Florida could draft their next player, I wouldn't be surprised if it was this young man.
1: When you think about what Florida has done over the last two cycles, this one included, but, you know, Kelby Collins, Cameron James, both late rises for us in the top two, four, seven in, in 2023. We just got done talking about what they've done on the off, uh, defensive line, excuse me, with Amaris Williams and Sear Johnson as well. So not to mention, arguably probably the best second level linebacking core right now in the country in terms of what we've seen committed. Steve, another, another team uh, right now, that's big week uh, in June, just in terms of what we've seen on campus and starting to get a little bit of buzz. But last time you were on with us, you kind of talked about them a little bit, but Ohio state right now, number four in the 24 seven sports composite team rankings. They had a bit big official visit weekend as well with a lot of Georgia flavor, KJ Bolden, number one safety in the land up there in Columbus, along with Edric Houston, both those guys from Buford. Steve, in terms of the job that uh, Ohio State has done with those two Georgia products, where do you think they stand there?
0: Well, um, I think that they lead for Edric Houston. I think that um, they'll have to hold off Georgia and, and Alabama and and some programs like that moving forward, but love their position for Edric Houston. I think Ohio State's done the best job recruiting him uh, to this point, making him feel like a priority, showing him his place in the program. I think he loves the people, loves Larry Johnson, loves his potential there at Ohio State. And then K.J. Bolden's uh, a deal where – I've, I've, I got Georgia crystal ball there. There's times where I've really liked Georgia's position there and still do of course, but I think Ohio state has made that recruitment extremely tight at the very least here going into, he's at Florida state now has Alabama this weekend. He's got Auburn for the fall. Um, but I think that Ohio state ha- has really made a major move there. Uh, in the re- in the recruitment of KJ Bolden, just kind of reminding him why he loved the place. He's always been high on Ohio State. Went to a couple games last fall, but getting to spend the weekend up there, get around Coach Ileano, getting around. The Ohio State staff, they got to hang out with Chase Young. Dylan Stewart's up there. Five-star got to hang out with with Chase Young. Ohio State's a major player for Dylan Stewart as well. Our colleague Brian Doan has a story on Dylan Stewart on the 24-7 Sports website right now that you can find on Dylan Stewart's profile where he breaks down all his recent visits. But uh, Ohio State has a great shot to land him. Uh, They're in it for Kobe Black, a five-star corner from Texas. I think they're near the top of his list. Gerby Lambert is one of the top uncommitted offensive linemen in America. Uh, uh, He's at Penn State this coming weekend. Notre Dame's in there. But uh, with all the connections that Ryan Day and offensive line coach Justin Fry have in the state of Massachusetts with their time at Boston College, I think they're in good at Catholic Memorial Got a good shot there. They're trying to flip Peyton Woodyard from from Georgia. I don't know. I I, I would say that might be a long road, but uh, Jordan Johnson Rebels, another uh, defensive back that was on campus. They have a good chance for so Ohio State. They got a top five class right now. They're strongly in the mix for some five stars. They got Bryce West and Aaron Scott in this weekend. Uh, so another big weekend uh, uh, coming up for Ohio State. But man, a big needle moving weekend, and we'll see they can get in the boat from it moving forward
1: true how and steve i mean i guess it's a it's a two-way question but i mean we just saw Aaron nolan in person everybody there in, in terms of even before we got to la kind of raves about the type of gravity that he has when it when it comes to kj bolden bolden and edric houston how, i mean how much of an asset is he for ohio state
2: air in that recruitment i mean yeah i think he's a guy that everyone in the state of georgia knows certainly for sure uh someone that's been on the camp circuit someone that's won some state titles i think when you heard jeremiah smith speak uh, whether that be at the opening finals or the elite 11 finals uh he continued to bring up how Air nolan is is recruiting him so hard and and so are some of those other quarterbacks so i do think it helps um in in the state there uh i just don't know how much Edric and, and kj bolden's recruitment is going to come down to the the quarterback but uh ohio state continues to invest a ton of time recruiting uh the peach State. i remember what was the last year steve ryan day on, on his bye week was down at buford for one of those games and the, the guy who was there to see i mean sure yeah justice haynes but it was also kj bolden as well
0: I think it's about a one-hour flight from Atlanta to Columbus. So it's uh, – you know, Georgia's always been a bit of a pipeline for for Ohio State, but really that Atlanta airport just makes it easy for, for a lot of programs to get in there in Georgia and make some moves.
1: Guys, you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Andrew Ivins, our guest director of recruiting, Steve Wolfong. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast: Spotify, Apple, make sure also – To leave a review, Uh, Steve, uh, another program that was kind of generating some buzz when we were out in California, Stanford, right now ranked inside the top 10 at number nine under new head coach, Troy Taylor. And if you're a fan of the show and don't keep up with Pac-12 football, Troy Taylor coming over from Sacramento State. But right now, Stanford has 22 commitments. And if I had to guess, I, I don't know if that's ever happened over the last 10 years where they've had this many commitments at this point of the timeline that many months out before early national signing day, you know, I know a couple guys over there, I know they're working hard. I think the biggest thing in terms of being able to get guys in the boat is they're being really proactive in terms of the admissions and why that's so important. If you don't know, I mean, that, that is the process, right? It's as important as the identification in the scouting process, uh, When when it comes to Stanford, so Elijah Brown, the guy that we got to see, uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country, arguably one of the best resumes alongside Aaron Nolan, twenty nine and one as a starter, he pops for Stanford on Sunday. A couple other guys, I mean, a surprising one, they go down to Mississippi and they flip Chris Davis from Ole Miss, right? The running back out of there in Picky U Memorial, so. Stanford kind of getting it done, Steve. I don't. I don't know if you've kind of picked up any uh, crumbs from out there on, on on a little bit of the magic that they put together. But right now, Stanford in an ideal spot inside the top ten in June.
0: No, absolutely, it's very exciting. And and to your point there, you kind of look at Stanford and and, and uh, their net. I think they're casting a wider net. They're more aggressive under this current staff. I mean, you go back and look at twenty twenty one just 69 total offers go out in our database 86 in 2022 2023 is 104. they are have already offered 123 prospects in this 2024 class now that doesn't mean I think some of their offers are contingent contingent on like young men have to they're tracking for Stanford admittance, admittance, but maybe they still have some some boxes to check. But they're on the right path, um, and then I think they do a good job of helping those young men, making sure that they they gain admittance because it is the hardest place for a a, a football player to get into, in my experience. Um, but uh, you know, they got 123 offers out, they, and then Cooper. I feel like they used to only have one big visit weekend. Every weekend they brought in prospects. This weekend, so I think, is that right? Do you remember? It that was late? in
1: December too, you know. So it was super, it was super late, but they kind of put all their eggs in one basket under David Shaw. I felt like,
0: yeah. So now you have you're just having these big official visit weekends, and, and uh, you know it, it started started June second, but they're having prospects in every weekend, uh, and getting guys on campus, and and it's it's resonating and and they're hitting. Elijah Brown was obviously a a big recruiting win for them, jewel of the class. Um, But Dylan Stevenson to go into Miami, Andrew Ivan's neck of the woods, and and land the edge rusher there. Justin Tawana just kind of talking with Biggins and Huffman leading up to that. I was like, you know, that was at one point he was considered a heavy USC lean. And and so to beat Lincoln Riley in, in company for him to go into SEC country, Get chris davis out of uh picayune memorial that's a waller's teammate state champion they've had some some notable recruiting wins i think that they are the team to beat for emmett mosley uh Mm -hmm. in state so still more more good news coming down the pipe for stanford in my opinion they're going to be done here uh soon i would think this class is all
1: about just about set drew you're a fan of ricky johnson right
2: I am that's what I was going to say. You know, you look at the commit the commit list of 22 different guys. I think when we talk big picture in terms of the current state of college football, Stanford is not going to get a lot of transfers in. It's just kind of the reality, the nature of the beast with the transfer portal and then you know, what does the Pac-12 look like a few years from now? I think everyone keeps con, continues to talk up Oregon for good reason. We also talk up utah arizona stuff like that but to me this is stanford signaling hey not let's not forget about us elijah brown jumps into the boat i love the fit there stanford's i i gotta look this up but i think they're the only school that has had two quarterbacks drafted in the past two years i mean you know think about it like that like stanford can churn out some guys at at, at a serious position that's not easy to play and um Steve brought up Dylan Stevenson, the edge rusher they got from down in in Miami. I think he was at one point a Florida State lean. Uh, Illinois wanted him, uh, and we know what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. But the, the two guys I would have circled, Ricky Johnson, a wide receiver out of Houston County, uh, Warner Robbins, Georgia. So I, I think he's an SEC type of player. You, he put You put on the tape, he can go deep. He can – Get the football. Would not be surprised if 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 he emerged as a weapon for Elijah Brown in years to come. I, I think that is an under the radar pickup, a, a big deal, a guy that had a ton of interest from other schools. And then Cole Tab, he is a fun watch. He's from Fort Walton Beach up in Florida's panhandle. Um on the smaller side, but but he's kind of electric, chunk player. Um, guy that can do a little bit of everything in terms of being a third down running back, has verified track speed, uh, and I, I you'll be hard-pressed hard to find a more productive rusher in the Sunshine State over the past three years, or past two years, excuse me. I think he's got over 3,000 yards. So you pair him with Chris Davis, and I, I like the way that backfield is shaping up for Stanford. One Stanford, of the great yeah go ahead
1: steve
0: yeah one of the guys that has not been part of like this stanford run where i think they have landed 18 guys in june was chase farrell out of oaks christian there in westlake village california oregon wanted him he was a coveted guy by oregon he's got 10-3 speed in the 100 meter dash committed to stanford back in the spring so that was a significant recruiting win that it just seems like a long time ago but uh another one where they beat a conference rival for a guy that uh um, was was coveted elsewhere
1: we're going to take a quick break you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast you know it's only june but I, and, and they're at number nine right now they're a fully capable program in my opinion of being in the top 15 year in and year out in terms of contention right if they do it the right way and i think they they have to thread the needle a little bit. We've talked a little bit about the admissions process there, but are there some negatives with the academics? Yes. But if you have the right person there at, at the head coaching spot who understands the power of the degree at Stanford, which it seems like they've been able to sell a lot of a lot of guys early in the process, I think you can do it right there. So it's going to be interesting to see right now Stanford number two in the Pac-12 behind Oregon, who is at number eight, sandwiched in between USC, who was off – To the Big Ten, USC at number 12. Steve, I want to talk a little bit about USC. They picked up another commitment this weekend from St. John Bosco, defensive back Marcellus Williams. You pair him with the Cody Fields. You kind of like what they're doing on the back third of that defense. And then, you know, a big visitor weekend as well. I feel like USC kind of starting to stretch their wings nationally, which is what they're known for. Mike Matthews on campus, Draylon Miller, Ryan Pelham, Marquise Lightfoot, Jason Zandamella uh as well and a handful of other names but steve any insight on what usc was maybe potentially able to make a move with a couple of these guys this weekend
0: well our colleague our buddy your co-host andrew ivan's out in front on the zandamela stuff hit me over the weekend before going into the visit and said that he th- you know was hearing from his neck of the woods that usc was trending there talking to people post visit I, I certainly gathered that and, and think that USC's in tremendous shape for arguably the number one center in, in the country, certainly one of the top interior offensive linemen. They got a great shot at those receivers, Pelham Matthews and, and Draylon Miller. Miller's back at AM this week. Uh, LSU's had some momentum in that recruitment, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens coming out of that AM visit for Draylon Miller um, and then Pelham's down to USC and Oregon. Um, but, uh, USC, they got a great chance to land Marquis Gallegos, who was there this weekend. Mike Roach, our, our colleague on the national team who lives in Texas has Ty Anthony Smith, uh, out of Jasper high there in the Lone Star State trending towards USC as well. So the Trojans, uh, are strongly in the mix for a lot of the guys that they had on campus this weekend.
2: Jason Zamadella, that would be, uh, quite the win and i i have been hearing some usc buzz on him before he even showed up in los angeles and uh what's crazy is is his dad is in where, where is he from again is it is it mozambique am i getting that right i always get it confused
0: you are uh, the one telling me brother
2: <laughs> um he is from well regardless USC was trying to get dad out on the visit and there was talks of a 30 hour flight for that official. I don't think it ended up happening, but USC was prepared to make that happen. And I think that says a lot. I just say a
0: 30 hour flight. Can I, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, can it get longer from one point in the world to another? I mean, like, are there longer flights than 30 hours? I
1: I don't think it's a direct flight though. No right. I, I <laughs> yeah I don't think
0: so sure, but just I'm even like saying like travel like what is further like how long does it take to get to India? That's like over a I've day done this right?
1: before. I think the first time we brought up Santa I had to look it up on on a map where Mozambique is. I mean, it's it's uh drew, I think you were pretty good with this. It's a little west of uh, Madagascar in South Africa. so yeah, that's a I don't know if they got a direct shot to LA I think you're like, like you're like flying trip.
2: to like Cairo to like New York to LA
1: <laughs> little hop skip, and a jump
2: yeah but I you know I was asked some questions about USC and, and their kind of efforts and I think what's notable about what USC is doing is it's very clear that they're going to be as aggressive as anyone in the transfer portal and they're going to pull in a lot of those guys right I view that kind of as the free agency but the formula to get to the college football playoff, or at least that four-team playoff, is you got to develop in-house, right? You still got to recruit the high school ranks and and hit on some of those prospects. And, and when I look at USC's commit list, I think it's impressive how they are recruiting nationally. Like it makes sense that USC is able to do that. But to me, it feels like the Trojans brand is back. And I remember this conversation I overheard at the OT seven finals on Sunday. I don't know who the kids were. I mean, obviously most of the the prospects there are talented, but it was a collection of kids and they were just rattling off all the wide receivers that are currently at USC. Then the kids brought up, Hey, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, they, they score points. And I think in this, this current era, you know, kids want to go places where it's exciting. LA is a big market. Obviously that plays in with the, nil but you got lincoln riley there you got a guy who just won a heisman trophy it, it just feels like for the first time in a while like usc is cool it, it reminds me of when reggie bush was there and and all these kids around the country are interested and that the two commitments that stand out for me walter matthews the big tight end or jumbo athlete i don't you know i don't know what you really want to call him they get him committed last week we show up to the elite 11 he was the biggest skill player there. I mean, he is a, a monster of a human. USC usually can't get that type of guy, and I don't know what role he plays. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of emerges like a, a sixth offensive lineman, kind of like a Darnell Washington type, but he can certainly play. He's explosive, very rare. And then Cameron Fountain, the uh, defensive lineman edge player out of, out of Atlanta. I mean, getting him locked up, you know, usually you're you're searching for that in the transfer portal. So if they can develop him, I mean, that is a that is a big addition.
0: Lincoln Riley's obviously one of the best coaches in college football. What he did at uh Oklahoma, um, taking him to the playoff three years, the Heisman trophies and all that. But US uh USC and Texas have kind of been the same to me. Boys, would love your opinion on it. Um they've had flashy skill players. They've had some of the best quarterbacks in college football. They've had high-ranking recruiting classes, and when you go back and look at those recruiting classes, it points to those areas. Skill, quarterback. For USC to make that jump from from. 10 11 win and USC damn near almost made the college football playoff this year, by the way. But I still I, I think they would have been early in their maturation as a program. It's going to come down to what they can do around the line of scrimmage to compete with you know, the Georges and and stuff of the world and and changing a culture of toughness really in general. Like those have been soft programs that are not getting players drafted around the line of scrimmage. USC goes and gets Josh Henson as their offensive line coach. He's a stud. They're in on some guys. I think USC loves their offensive line class. They got last year talking to Lincoln Riley recently for a story we did on their number one class in the Pac-12. I think that offensive line group that they, they got in there was uh, – undercover really good but that's that's right that's that's where texas and and usc are continuing to get better right is around the line of scrimmage we've seen them get skill players and quarterbacks
2: and i think both those schools changing conferences is only going to make it easier for them to get those point of attack players like i know i asked you steve this past weekend you look. They bring in obviously Jason Zamandela, who you know isn't really from Florida, but he's at a he's at Clearwater Academy International, which is a hub for international prospects. But Marquise Lightfoot out of the Chicago area, you know that is a a Big Ten stronghold. He visits a a top two, four, seven edge rusher for us. Darian Mayo, uh, a big six seven defensive lineman out of the DMV. I, I would say that's traditionally a big 10 stronghold and i know usc Drew, i did
0: talk time. to him last night you asked me the other day about that but he did get back to me so
2: yeah and he was there mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i just think and then you look ahead to this weekend i think usc's got a pair of offensive linemen set to visit from pennsylvania another another big 10 stronghold they got the linebacker elijah newby out of the new england area that's a big 10 stronghold so when we talk about conference realignment, I you know, I think that move is getting them, I don't want to say like a, a seat at the table, but it's making it easier to talk these kids into to making the trek out to LA. I think
1: it's it's forced their hand a little bit. Two traditional guys that have a pretty similar background and Steve Sarkeesian and Lincoln Riley, that you know, the way that they built it. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, Steve Sarkeesian in, in his past as well, it's been around the skill position spots, right? That's been the focus. But now with Texas off to the SEC next year and USC off to the Big Ten here as well shortly, I think it kind of forces their hand a little bit. Like it, it forces the growth and the maturation process of the head coach, right? It, 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 point of attack play has to be a priority. And you saw USC going to Louisiana last year. They get Tackett Curtis. They also get Braylon Shelby as well. I like some of the things. They've been super active at the point of attack on both sides of the line of scrimmage in the transfer portal. You know, the other thing I want to bring up is like, talk to some people about Caleb Williams, and he's in a really good spot in terms of how he's doing financially. Sure, he's kind of, he's, he's different, right? He's uh Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to be in, in potentially the number one draft pick next year in the 2024 NFL draft, but he's in the right spot to capitalize on his name, image, and likeness. I don't think that is lost on any of these prospects that are hearing from USC as well. And especially as they start to kind of cast their net a little bit wider nationally, I think that comes into play a lot more.
2: Can I can I toss out a random observation? Just when talking about like college players now and again, we were out at the Elite Eleven and ot7 and there were some usc guys i think hanging around on on the sidelines and then i saw another individual i knew it was a a someone right i knew it was either a college guy turned out it was an nfl guy and it was greg newsome he was hanging around watching but it used to be you could separate the nfl players from you know the college players just kind of based on like the clothing and like the accessories they had in, in street clothes, uh, that separation has quickly evaporated. <laughs> like I can't, you you no longer know if a guy's standing there if he's a college guy or if he's an NFL guy. I, I think that's a product of the NIL.
1: Yeah, and you know that's it's a little bit of the the beauty of the Elite Eleven too. I mean, like we we were talking about that a couple of days ago on the podcast, but like what an advantage it is to see Caleb Williams go through the same drills in the same setting then as Dylan Rayola is going to take the next snap, right? See them going through the exact same and kind of compare and contrast those guys. So USC certainly in a good spot, number 12 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. They are not done yet. In terms of like, last thing I'll say on them, pound for pound, I really like what they've done. You know, a lot of quality takes. There's no take in their class, and I'm kind of scratching my head at a team right now that we were just talking about, Texas, Steve, they're ranked number 58. I don't think that's going to hold if I had to guess, right? So they, they had a big, big weekend in Austin, 21 official visitors, according to Horns247 on campus. A couple of the names that included five-star Ryan Wingo, one of the best pass catchers in the country, Brandon Baker, the number one offensive tackle in the country, Jordan Ross, one of the top pass rushers in the country, and so on and so forth. Uh, A loaded week, uh, a ton of priority targets on campus for Texas. Steve, what is the buzz out of Austin?
0: Well, they landed top 247 receiver Freddie Debose. They also uh, scored a commitment from Santana Wilson, a cornerback out of Desert Mountain High in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, a couple crystal balls in the favor of of Texas. Myself and Mike Roach, uh, tight end Jordan Washington out of Langham Creek, Houston, and that's a, that's one Texas A&M loves him. That's a, that's a heated in-state battle, but like where Texas, stand, Texas stands with him. Miles Davis is a, a corner – or excuse me, a defensive back, a safety from Converse, Texas, who I had predicted the USC. I think that's kind of passed by. I'm with Texas right now. Got a big visit coming up to A&M, but like where Texas stands with him. It was a needle-moving visit with Ryan Wingo. They're in contention for fellow five-stars Brandon Baker and and Jordan Ross, although I would probably lean Tennessee and Florida for for Jordan Ross right now. Um, Ryan Wingo got to spend time with Xavier Worthy. Arch Manning was a good visit there. Texas, uh, they want two backs this cycle, Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark. Uh, I think that they're in, in, in pole position for both of them. They're in a 50-50 battle with Aaron Hampton, one time committed to them. I think he's a dangerous slot slot guy, wide out. Uh, but Texas is recruiting him as a two-way player, and if you look at his film, he's been one of the best two-way players in, in the Lone Star State. Uh, I think I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he had like nine picks one year, and, and, and several of them he ran back. So he's just a tremendous football player. I hope I didn't exaggerate that too much. Um, Danny an uh, uh, intriguing edge rusher that they're battling Oklahoma among others for. DeAndre Robinson was there. Uh, um, Melvin Hills is a, is a guy that's trending towards Texas on the crystal ball uh, as well. I believe Mike Roach is in the game on that one. So, as you, to your original point, you know Texas, it's just the guys that they've recruited this cycle. Their timeline for a decision has not come yet. Uh, but I think the Texas commitments will be coming soon. And this weekend, they'll land their fair share and already have so far.
2: They seem to be the most backloaded on the June official visits, right? I remember we talked about them a few weeks ago when we had Hudson Standish on. And like they, they didn't have a ton of visitors at, at, on the front end, but now like Austin is the place to be.
0: Yeah, it's a major weekend coming up for Texas with Colin Simmons, Micah Hudson, Kobe Black, Terry Bussey, Dominic McKinley, you know, Selman Bridges there in a the tight battle for Corinne Gibson. Yeah, this is uh Texas doing it real big this weekend and the month of June.
1: Drew, is there one guy that you know maybe Steve mentioned or or didn't mention over the next you know two weeks what we saw Texas have on campus over 21. 21- prospects this past weekend and then another handful coming up as well is there is there one guy that kind of piques your interest and say wow i'd love to see that guy and burn orange
2: well he he brought up usc in the offensive line like i think texas man they just continue to get these like massive 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 bodies on campus uh you said brandon baker um i think deandre carter is he going to visit during the season right the two guys out of out of matter day. And then I I've heard behind the scenes, there's a ton of fans on the college side of Nair Daniels, who is listed at six, 340 pounds. I mean, what was it last year? They had like four offensive linemen over the the three twenty mark.
0: Yeah. They've reinvented themselves on the offensive line. Those two cycles two years ago was the best offensive line class in the country. And then I think they landed like six guys last year and most of them were over 300 pounds and just, they got a type that they're looking for. And I just like that I think they've taken eleven guys the last two cycles. Again, I might my math might be off a little bit, but the point is like that Texas did not do a great job recruiting offensive line, did not do a great job of developing offensive line. And that's a narrative that Coach Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood are trying to change.
2: They are not afraid to miss big. And I do have two uh, two two visitors I wanted to ask you about, and I know I'm putting you on the on the spot here, Steve. But first one's Jaden Jackson, uh, interior pass rusher out of IMG Academy. He was just at what Miami. I know he's going to get to Texas. I've heard Bo Davis and those guys love him. So anything you're here and there. And then the other one would be Micah Hudson. Who did he just visit or he's going to visit?
0: Just at Texas Tech at Texas this weekend. I think that around Lubbock they feel really good about their chances to land Micah Hudson. And so um, that would be, that'll be interesting. Texas tech is, is a, is a program that's subtly been on the moves in our rankings boys. They're up to number 19. They have 13 commits. Their average ranking per commit is a very, very solid 88.67. And uh, they're trending on the crystal ball for several guys, Micah Hudson. I would not be surprised if he ultimately ended up at Texas tech, But obviously, Texas is an adversary on the trail. They get him this weekend. And Jaden Jackson, Drew, you and I talked about him after IMG's Pro Day. You got a chance to see him. He was a a beast that day. Uh, He's over 300 pounds. Um, But I think that one of the traits that people really love about Jaden Jackson, and you wrote about it that day, we just discussed it. Um, He's a great leader. He is one of the leader of men in that IMG locker room. And that is a trait in addition to his physical traits that make him a coveted guy. He had a great visit to Ohio State. Florida and Miami have gotten him to campus. Texas has been in the middle of it. I don't know where he's going to go. He's a a fascinating recruitment that doesn't get a lot of buzz because his ranking isn't as high as some of the other guys that get a lot of runway on our shows. But Jaden Jackson behind the scenes is is, as coveted a player on the defensive line as there is in the country because he's over 300 pounds. And he's a great leader.
2: He's like, uh, you know, at, at the, after early signing period, we get into that next window before the traditional national national signing day. It's like the three star getting the five star treatment. And we'll see where Jaden Jackson finishes in the rankings. I mean, we last go around. We we're talking about getting him into the top two, four, seven.
1: Steve, before we go, Miami, they, they picked up a, a big commitment last night from Kevin Riley in Tuscaloosa. And, he was kind of a guy, you know, I, uh, Gabby Uridia uh, from our Miami side kind of reached out, you know, a couple of the pro comps, I think, for for us were Brian Robinson, uh, who played his ball at Alabama, was originally from Tuscaloosa as well. Upright runner, productive, really good contact balance. But, you know, Miami, they, they've had a lot of star power on campus in recent weeks. Is this the beginning of something for Miami or, or where do you think they kind of stand with some of the top priorities that they've had on campus
0: well i think we know i mean they're now in the top 25 they have a dozen commits number 23 in in the country and talking to some people around miami because they were kind of making a move with Jarrett gibson um kind of becoming the main competition for texas conversations always kept coming back to kevin riley like this is the guy that they coveted on the board And and they got their man and got him to campus this past weekend. His official visit, he said it made it home for him, the fan base and the support. Uh, The returns on new offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson, are strong. As we all know on this uh, pod, uh, Mario Cristobal is not going to be out recruited by any head coach for a top target, and he loves Coach Cristobal. He talked about Coach Cristobal's track record of turning around programs. He wants to come to Miami and help him do it. And Miami has recruited running back under this new staff as well as any any program in the country in my opinion i love the running backs that they've landed over the last three cycles now citizens got to stay healthy i think fletcher's a beast and then you come in and get kevin riley chris johnson's obviously fast i may have left out a guy but citizen and fletcher you're going to be over 220 pounds with both those battering rams uh, and and now, you, now you add Kevin Riley. They've done a, a fantastic job of reshaping that running back room and, and and certainly the tight end room. And then when you just talk about um, you know, guys that they're in on moving forward, you know, they're in the thick of it for David Stone. They're in the thick of it for Dylan Stewart. I think they lead for Justin Scott. My crystal ball is on Miami for JoJo Trader. I think they're on the short list for Ryan Wingo. You know, Aiden Breeland, they have a really good shot at. Um, so those are just – that's just the five-star rundown for Miami. Zaquan Patterson, I would say they lead for him. Drew out of on out of Madonna. Uh, Ohio State's the crystal ball for Marquise Lightfoot. Can can Miami change that? You know, LJ McCray, we talked about at the top of the show. Jericho Johnson's one of my favorite defensive linemen in this class on the interior. So they're in on a lot of guys moving forward. They got a chance to make a run at another top 10 class maybe even higher we'll see what happens there but uh, uh miami they're gonna give us stuff to talk about on the recruiting trail week in and week out as long as mario cristobal is uh, holding down that corner office
1: i go a, a little uh will Fong whip around steve i feel like we we got to get you on the show every now and then get you let you do your thing and and a lot of scoop uh to be had from the elite 11 finals ot7 steve before we get you out of here any other teams you just want to mention uh, in terms of maybe caught your eye on the recruiting trail that we haven't talked about? I know Arkansas a, a team kind of doing some good things. Wisconsin got a nice pickup out of the state of Alabama yesterday. They're one of those teams that maybe you think, okay, hey, here's a team that nobody's really talking about, but I like some of the things that they're doing. Gotcha.
0: Um, well, <clears throat> I think that if you're talking about a program that's kind of making some subtle moves right now, obviously Pitt, they got 19 commits. They're, they're, they're up to number 15 in, in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings and, and and they're trending for some more top targets moving forward. I think that um Coy Beasley, top two, four-seven defensive back from Cincinnati, is one I have crystal balled there. Now uh, he was just at Wisconsin this weekend, so we'll see what happens there. And then uh Oklahoma, they had their champ U barbecue over the weekend and and their program that had a top five recruiting class last year. And if they're going to make that kind of run this year, they need to hit big from this weekend. David Stone was there. Uh, One of the things that David Stone highlighted is that Bob Stoops actually asked to take a picture with him while he was on campus so but that champion barbecue is always a great atmosphere with a lot of former players and and coaches on campus terry bussey our number one ranked athlete in the top 247 says he could see himself there dominic mckinley's a five star from louisiana that oklahoma is at the top or near the top four they're trying to make a move with taylor tatum uh, who's definitely high on usc bennett warren who's high on michigan offensive lineman joseph jonah Janye, defensive lineman who's predicted to Georgia, but Oklahoma's in the top two or three for all those guys. Nigel Smith, uh, the head on campus, maybe they get their quarterback Samaj Jones out of Philadelphia, uh, in, in this class, but, uh, it was a big recruiting weekend at Oklahoma as well.
1: So OU team to watch drew any final thoughts before we get you out of here as well, bud.
2: Um, I, I wanted to ask Steve if he's hearing anything new on, uh, our guy Trevor Jackson, Word is no. he's going to throw at Miami on, on Thursday, Maryland's offered.
0: Well, I think we know how that throwing session is going to go at Miami, right, boys? I mean, we just watched the young man throw for a few days. And, and Andrew, I think that you would have offered him a scholarship <laughs> at just about any program that you worked at. Because, it, look, we were at Battle Miami back in January. And I, you know, I, I watched – I don't remember all the exact details, but – you knew Trevor Jackson was good in January. Um, You had seen him, you'd been around him, and you were excited that I got a chance to watch him play. And he had a good good seven-on-seven showing there. I don't remember what kind of love we gave him at Miami Battle, but none of this is any surprise to you. If anything, it's more a surprise that he already doesn't have some of the offers that he has to go throw somewhere, I think is kind of our take at this point, right? Well, he's
2: a kid. He's not afraid to lace it up. And show up with his football. I mean, he has camped everywhere, and uh, I think that makes him unique. He's Look, Miami, I,
0: He's I didn't know you broke news to me. I didn't know he was throwing at Miami this week. I If he doesn't leave Miami with an offer, I'd be surprised uh, based on watching him at Elite 11 and then seeing him prior. And, you know, Texas A&M had him in camp, loved him um, recently. Uh, obviously, Maryland's still looking for their guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this quarterback dominoes take us. And look, eight of the top fifteen quarterbacks last year decommitted and ended up elsewhere. So, I still think this is no like. This it's just history says that we will still have some excitement at the position moving forward.
2: Yeah. I- <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't talk about that at the elite 11, you know, like that was never a a segment of sorts because I was, I was talking to a parent and I was like, there's going to be a reshuffling. It might not seem like it now, but every year there is. And the only reason I asked that is because you brought up Samaj Jones with Oklahoma. They already got Michael Hawkins committed. So I've been waiting to see which schools are going to pursue and take two quarterbacks.
1: The, yeah. the the longer Trevor Jackson waits, it almost feel like his stock is going to continue to rise, right? I mean, and I, and I think it's going to be interesting. Who is going to be that team? I'm going through the the top 30 right now, the 24-7 rankings, and majority of these guys have their signal callers, right? And even Miami, who's going to have them throw, they already have Judd Anderson in the boat, right? So that would be their second quarterback.
0: Right, and Judd Anderson's got a lot of upside. He's a talented guy that can really rip it. Uh, But, I mean, like Trevor Jackson, I think I'd love to have him
1: if I'm Miami. If you got a scholarship and you're Miami and that quarterback position has been somewhat like evasive, right? Like I'm trying to take as many chances as possible to get the right guy. No
0: question. Until you get that room completely figured out every year, you just try and create as much competition as you can in that room.
1: Little Miami quarterback talk to end the day right here on this Tuesday. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Like I said earlier, make sure to subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify. Also leave a review and a rating. If you like the show, you like Steve as a guest, make sure to say you do. We love that. So for our Director of Recruiting, Steve Wilfon, for our Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, and for our Producer, Lance Glenn, I'm Steve We'll see you tomorrow.